the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. We've got another great show. And uh, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and... Um, you can sign up for the Daily Wink there. Just put your email address in. I promise I send you an email, only an email, every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. Nothing else. I don't sell your email address. I don't rent it. I don't lease it. I don't do anything with it. I just want to send you what you need to know in the morning. A couple of links, a couple of stories, very popular, up to about 50,000 folks that tune in and uh, get that email. So go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. I will try to put up uh, a great interview I did with, I mean, a panel. I did with George Galloway, the former uh, British Parliament member. It was really fun. It was over on RT America and uh, good exchange. I'll see if I can put that up on social media. Um, so let's get to it. What do you need to know today? Well, this one is going to be important and I'm going to walk you through this. I've told you about my interest in what it means to be a nation. What is it about a nation you know, the American nation. And it's only the last 400 years or so that there is something called the nation state. There used to be other, you know, ways to think about, you know, had holy, you had holy Roman empires. You had uh, different kinds of, uh, you know, uh, uh, ways of living together. And only in the last few hundred years, the nation state developed. And what is the nation? We've talked about this a lot. And I, I tell you, my, my good friend, Joe Johnston, who wrote the book, The Decline of Nations, is a great sounding board. But I'm really interested in this. And one of the things is that there is national sovereignty and the national sovereignty may be different in other nations, right? There could be a different nation. Um, so if you go to Great Britain, if you go to uh, England, well, they have a kind of uh, monarchy and their sovereignty kind of comes through the king and queen, the queen right now. Um, America, we have a very distinct form of sovereignty and the sovereignty comes from we the people through our states to the federal government. You know, the operating manual is the Constitution and the, to some extent the uh, inspiration, the founding, the founding document is the Declaration of Independence. Well, over in Europe, there is this strange relationship that sort of struggle as the European Union has grown over the last 25 to 30 years and has attempted to say, well, we... We get to have some sovereign role over all the nations. And so, you know, this is the tension you see, whether it's a regulatory tension. A lot of people attribute Brexit, the leaving of uh, the leaving of uh, of uh, of uh, um, the European Union by Britain to some of the regulations that had to do with all different kinds of uh, economies and things. So there's lots of there's lots of ways to uh, to think of this. But here's what I want to talk about. that The tension is coming in nations like Poland, nations like Hungary and other nations where they have a decidedly different, decidedly different view of the nature 
of their nation and therefore the impact of sovereignty. So what got me thinking about this was this morning, um, I guess uh, Friday morning, let me make sure I'm getting it right, Friday, th- late Thursday night, I'm sorry, I'm looking at the date on it, uh, the Polish Constitutional Court uh, gave a ruling, put down a ruling. So this is like the Supreme Court of Poland. And they said, look, the European Union only gets to have a certain co- competency over our uh, over laws in areas that we signed up to, in areas we signed up for. In other words, if we sign up with the European Union to share a currency, if we sign up with the European Union to uh, agree to regulate travel, if we sign up with the European Union in certain competencies, including regulatory ones, whether it's good or bad, if we've signed up for that, well, then the EU courts and the sort of EU sovereignty can go ahead and have an impact on us. But it doesn't get to be extended to everything just because we're in the EU. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Nations like Poland and Hungary, and there are a few others, that have a decidedly different view of the world and of their lives and of their families and of their nation, uh, mostly, I would say, informed by Judeo-Christian values. That would be the way to say it. In other words, Hungary's got some laws they passed that say we're not going to let LGBTQ uh, be presented to kids under 18. And Poland's got some rules on, uh, on the same similar topics. Well, European Union says... We've got the right to crack down on you, and and they're doing it in the classic fashion that the American system, which is what we're going to switch to, is doing here. What is it? Show me the money. So the European Union, one of the big values that they have, if you're a member, is that you get access to the funding and they pool their resources and they tax each other and they borrow against the uh, the, the strength of all these nations and all, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's a bunch of, for example, COVID relief. Well, the European Union has said we object to the laws of Hungary and maybe I think the laws of Poland also as to X or Y. Therefore, we're holding back the COVID. And the Polish constitutional court said, no, we're not doing that. Our sovereignty, the Polish sovereignty is here. And I won't even get in for a moment and and, and pass that. I would say that the the Polish example, by the way, is one of the more interesting ones, because when I was visiting Poland about three years ago, one of the people I was talking to there said to me um, about apropos um, uh, Poland. And he said, we were a nation for a long time when we had no state. We had no boundaries. We were underground. And what held us together was the church, the Catholic church. That's what he said. And that's what it went on. So that's a very different example. But let's talk about America. Let's talk about America. And let's talk about what's happening in America. And here's the, que- here's the thing I have to tell you. You watch what's happening in America and you say to yourself, okay, we see incredible overreaches by the federal government. Whether it's the role of the Department of Justice in our school board meetings, whether it's the role of the Department of Education in curriculum, especially now you're seeing on the health freedom front, the question of who should be allowed to tell a parent that they must act in this way, or let's say differently, who's allowed to tell an adult that they're allowed to, that they must act this way. And then even more telling is who should be allowed to tell, uh, more important, who should be allowed to tell a parent what they must do for their child. 
Now, we've headed down a path where we're misunderstanding our sovereignty. We used to have a problem, and we still do in some ways in America, and probably, let's say, between the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and into the 80s, we had a problem where the European, uh, excuse me, the United Nations and other international organizations were getting their hooks into America. And we were seeing even the, our, our uh, courts citing foreign law, international law, and all that. But now the question is, who's sovereign? I'm sovereign, right? Who's sovereign? We're the sovereigns. We the people are the sovereigns. We're the ones that have control over this. We're the ones that should be in charge. And this is a very important, again, this is another great moment in terms of learning if we can get it right. If we don't get it right, we're losing something special about our nation. But if we get it right, our nation and the republic, the way our founders set it up, created space where if you do want to live in a state where where you want your sovereignty to be given over in a greater way to the state or federal government you can do that but generally and more importantly as a as a as a threshold matter our sovereignty comes from we the people and that the, and the intrusions of that by the federal government or by foreign, the, the UN or anybody else are, are, are significant. And, and, and well, the intrusions must be, uh, we must be vigilant. Let's say it that way. We must be incredibly vigilant for those challenges to it. So we're watching Poland fight back against the European Union, trying to usurp Poland's sovereignty. We're watching Hungary fight back against the European Union and their, uh, in the intrusions of their sovereignty. And we're watching in America, the federal government and and the big government, even in states, intruding on our sovereignty, and it's the I don't look. We've talked about this. We don't need to be the um, the nation builders of the world, but we can be the inspiration for nations of the world because they look at us and they see what we did was so spectacular, so special, so significant. So that's interesting to watch. In the rest of the world, this is the fight right now. This is the fight for the survival of the nation. And remember, the nation is, is all the things that all the aspects of the nation. We could talk about it for hours and hours and hours, but includes our, our faith and religious tradition, not which religious tradition, but that there's a religious tradition, the rule of law, the Constitution, the founding documents, the shared values, the sense of purpose. All that's our nation. We'll lose it if we let the um, let the sovereignty uh, be overtaken by the power, by the powerful. All right, we got to take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. Don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, and sign up for the daily emails there. And that's what you need to know. Be right back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our next guest is becoming a frequent guest. His name is Jim Hansen. He's the president of the Security Studies Group. He's also the author of two books in the last about year and a half, one called Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. And uh, I guess it was um, 2020, he wrote a book called The Myth of White Fragility, a field guide to identifying and overcoming the race grifters, which is, man, that's useful. So, uh, hey, welcome back. First of all, Jim, how are you? Always a pleasure to be with you, Ed. So uh, let me ask you about this, uh, what we saw, right? The DOJ earlier this week released a memo, and it basically said, um, keep an eye on people that go to school boards. 
And what was odd about it, and this is where I saw your quote, you said, you said, um, uh, there have been no re- instances of real violence in any school board meetings, but the petty tyrants who are used to total control don't like to be questioned, said Jim Hansen. Then this. Quote, the National School Board Association sent a letter to the Biden team that is all too happy to find any excuse to crack down and criminalize conservatism. Now, this is to me what's this, not the most surprising, the most in a way, the most important because they've done the Biden administration. Big government is doing all sorts of things to January 6 people, school board people, pro-life people. But in this case, the National School Board Association sent a letter. And, and got an almost immediate reaction from from the, the Biden administration. Now, serious question. Is that does it work like that? If it's a good letter from a good group, does it make action happen like that? Because it's kind of impressive. Um, no, Ed, that was coordinated. <laughs> I think you figured that out. They're, they're playing a wow. game together. They, they requested right. probably, you know, that one of these groups write a letter claiming these things, claiming they're scared, claiming they feel terrorized because there are parents actually showing up and, and asking questions about things they don't want questions asked about. And I wish this was an isolated incident. Unfortunately, we've seen the pattern. They are, they are using everything that's happened at January 6th and after to make the entire array of conservative causes part of what they consider domestic extremism. And it, the ability then to use the full array of state power to crush those causes. And, it, and it's a partisan political hit job, and it's horrifying. Uh, we're talking again with uh, uh, Jim Hansen. He's the founder of the Security Studies Group and a former U.S. Army Special Forces vet. Um, not, he's a vet, so he's a uh, uh, and um, the book. The, his more recent, most recent book is "Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot" from Republic Book Publishers. We love those guys and what they're doing. Um, Jim, in this case of the school boards, um, no, no, I want to ask you about the history. Your, your sense of history um, is is this that different than the past? Maybe say it differently. Is it so brazen that we see it? But look at the IRS, Lois Lerner under Obama, she was clearly targeting, uh, you know, Tea Party groups with the IRS, using the force of government to make people's lives miserable, break up marriages, millions of dollars in lawyers fees. So we know it happened. And probably we could probably say Republicans, you know, both sides of the aisle have done something like it. Is this are these people more brazen or are we seeing it more? What is where are we in this? Yeah, it's not unprecedented, as you pointed out. It is, however, so much broader and so much categorical in its use of all the elements of state power from DOJ, FBI, DHS. You know, they use the intelligence community. They're using the IRS. They're using all of the uh, other elements that they have to go ahead and, first of all, if they can, to bring criminal charges for anyone who is exercising speech they don't like or supporting causes they don't like. But even worse than that, to intimidate the rest of the people into not doing that. They're trying to shut down dissent. And it's, it's one of the most un-American things. And the, uh, the breadth of it now, and like you said, the brazenness is what differentiates it. There, this is a full-on assault on our freedoms, and we cannot stand for this. Uh, Jim Hansen, his book is second, the second, winning the Second Civil War. And uh, as I'm reading the description on one of the sites, um, it talks about how the 2020 Antifa BLM riots uh, were, what they demonstrated, what they meant, and how they've handled things. Um, Jim, a few days ago, we had on Julie Kelly, and uh, I, I'll be honest, I love her. She's an amazing woman. She's a great journalist. She's a hero. 
but she sounded tired and she sounded disgusted. And one of the things she was disgusted about, Jim, was the fact that there weren't Republicans who were under either well it didn't seem to understand the moment we're in or at least if they did understand they weren't doing anything about it and then so they were getting ready to pick out the drapes for the new republican majority in the u.s house a year a year and a month from now as opposed to fighting what is a you know a street by street battle right now she sounded really disheartened when you look around the field and the field of battle i suppose where are the Republicans leading? I mean, Tucker Carlson's the only voice. I mean, we do it on our show and other radio shows, but Tucker Carlson's the only big voice, and and I don't see the leadership. Do you? Oh, absolutely not. I think the leadership of what passes for the political right right now is uh, spineless, weak, and useless at best. That would be the kindest things I could say uh, for a radio show. But what what gives me, you know, and, and God bless Julie, I don't blame her. The The work she's done would beat anybody down the the work she's done looking at the the people in solitary confinement and the rest of that it would it would break my heart too but i see the people rising up i see a very broad response to these acts and i think this thing with the school boards uh, along with all the rest of it after all the covid masking and, and vaccine mandates and the rest of it telling parents they don't have a right to talk to the school board about their own kids education I think was a major tactical mistake by the left. I think it's going to bring more people into the fight rather than less. And I think it's going to backfire on them. And and that's really what we need to do. We need to go ahead and make that the red line that was crossed and say, if parents don't have a right to talk about their kids' education, we no longer have a republic and you people are not allowed to run what passes for our government. We're, again, we're talking with Jim Hansen. He's got a, a book out a few months ago now, uh, Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. Jim, what's, your, what's, the, what's the regular person supposed to do? Listening to this, they hear this, they're understanding it better. What is the regular person to do about what's happening? You know, for six months, I've been saying go to school board meetings. and (laughs) You're the problem. You're the problem. (laughs) I'm part of it. And good. Good on me for being part of the problem and good on everybody who went. Now, everybody else needs to go, too. And we need to be well behaved. You were you were part of the Tea Party, Ed. You know how that was such an impressive movement, because when there was a Tea Party rally afterwards, the place the rally was held was cleaner than when they got there. All right. That's the kind of attitude we need to take. We need to take righteous indignation and a we're not going to take it attitude. But we also need to maintain control and don't give them any ammo for their attempts to, to criminalize our, our protected speech. So go, go to whatever, go to every public meeting you can and talk to your friends and tell them about everything that's happening. That's how we beat these guys. It's um, are you um, are you seeing the tide turn? Is, it, is some of this uh, brazenness a desperation or is it just methodical? I think there's it's not desperation. I think they think they're winning. I think they think this is their right. You know, it's their moment. It's their time. It's the woke, you know, turn of the whatever. And I think they Mm -hmm. they know they can get away with it in the short term. But in the longer term, 2022, 2024 and forward, I think this is going to blow up in their faces. And I think there are plenty of people now who are willing to, to go ahead and stand and push back who weren't before. I think too many people have seen how this turns out 
And, you know, before, when they were being a little more subtle about it, it was like, well, you know, those crazy leftists, oh, they always talk about their stuff. But now that people are watching this, say, no, we're going we're gonna to come to your house and we're going to vaccinate your kids. Or you can't travel unless you get vaccinated. Or, you know, you can't come to a school board meeting. You can't do any number of things. You can't uh, petition the government for redress of grievances in front of the Capitol because we're going to pretend it's another insurrection. All of those things, mm-hmm. I think, have stepped over the Hmm. All right, Jim Hansen, thank you as always. I think I think we're going to cut out, cut out there, but uh, thank you for uh, all you do and for coming on our program again. Jim Hansen, his book is called Winning the Second Civil War Without Firing a Shot. He himself is a uh, former Special Forces Army man, uh, soldier, and also uh, has uh, his own organization that helps with security. Uh, I'll make sure I put up on his um, on the website C- Security Studies Group. It does some does an interesting interesting reports, not just uh, not just works for folks, but puts reports up that are out there in the book. Uh, again, is published by Republic Book Publishers, one of my favorite publishers. So go and find it wherever you find books. And we will take a break, everybody. When we come back, we've got a lot more. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report as we wind into our weekend. And uh, some of you all will be watching baseball. Well, I guess I can feel for the San Diego Padres fans, too, down there uh, because the St. Louis Cardinals got knocked out. But if you're a Dodgers fan, if you're a Giants fan, Astros fan, what a Red Sox fan, there's a bunch still left. And so it's time, unfortunately, for us to do another segment of Noah Says. Our own producer, Noah Dingley, comes on. He usually talks politics and policy and, and uh, what's going on now. He's just going to brag on baseball since the Dodgers. Dodgers beat the Cardinals. Congratulations, Noah. I guess you're spiking the ball here, huh? Well, you know, uh, hope springs eternal. <laughs> no, normally, you say that at the beginning of the season, but uh, we uh, walked off against the Cardinals. Chris oh, Taylor man. taking it deep and taking us deep into the playoffs. Hopefully, we shall see. Going up against the Giants. And uh, it's exciting times, exciting times. Too bad for the Red Bulls. Well, I have to say, I have to say this though. Will you at least concede when you watch that lineup? And I haven't watched the Dodge. I let me be on. Let me be clear. I haven't watched a lot of baseball from uh, from the first inning to the ninth inning much this year. Just it's a million things going on, and it just. But I watched that game first inning to the ninth inning, and I mean top to bottom. The Dodgers. Now, I know it's one game, so they put in their best, you know, they put in all their good relievers. So you got to see everybody. They weren't pacing themselves at all because they had to win. But from top to bottom, that is a, a very, very good team. Even the guys that are really just junk now are, are still great players like Bellinger. He, he, he's been junk for most of the season, and yet he stole two bases. He looked like, he didn't look, he didn't quite look like his old self, but he's a big league ball player. I mean, big time. And then Taylor, another guy that is, you know, seems to be killer in the, in the, in the, uh, postseason or when it, when the moment demands it. And then that bullpen. I mean, I, I, let me say it this way. You guys cheat because you got so much money. <laughs> Yeah, we do have a Seriously. really good lineup. And to <laughs> yeah. tell you the truth, that is the only thing that got us into the playoffs because we were plagued with injuries. The IL was like it's really true. tight yeah. with the Dodgers this year. Uh, Bellinger was yeah. on it. Seager was on it. Kershaw's been on it. Most of our top players have been on it at some point during the season. Mookie Betts was on it. And so to be able to still make the playoffs, that really shows you the depth of the Dodger roster and that also have... Players like Bellinger, like I mentioned, and also like Chris Taylor, starting to come through in the clutch, not really being back to their old selves, but really starting to build that momentum. 
plus the amazing pitching, our deep bullpen. Yeah, we're going to go. I think if we don't beat the Giants, but I say we are, we're, it's, it's going all five games here, buddy. Is it, uh, is, do you think um, uh, Kershaw being out? Um, although he's not been a big playoff player, right? I mean, he's actually he hasn't been, sort of been but bag. last year he was exceptional in the playoffs. In the shortened 2020 season, he was exceptional. So I'm actually kind of upset that he's not going to get to be there again this year. I hope we do get to see one more season from Clayton, though. I didn't. Quite, I don't think I realized. Maybe I'm wrong when I say this. Uh, well, again, we're talking with Noah Dingley, our producer, uh, doing a Noah says Noah says segment, and we'll get back to some politics and some things in a second. But one more baseball uh, line of questions, at least. I, I don't think I um, uh, quite realized um, that like Pujols is not. I mean, let me say it this way: Dave Roberts, the manager, they made an they made a statement during the coverage, the announcers, and they said Roberts and the Dodgers run by the numbers. They're heavy into the numbers. Very and so heavy. they're just and so like Pujols, who is who I would have played, because I just would have thought, why not put him at first? Muncy's hurt. Pujols and that other Beatty were similar, in my opinion, in terms of first base quality, right? But they said Beatty has better hitting against right handed or whatever, left handed or whatever Wainwright was, or I don't know. And and I heard them say Dave Roberts and the and the and the Los Angeles Dodgers front office is heavy numbers, data analytics and all. That's true? They are very Data analytics. I mean, so much so where I've seen several games during the regular season. My son and I would go get some chicken wings and watch, you know, uh, uh, a ball game on the TV. And they were just cruising along to a victory. They take out their starting pitcher who gave up zero, one or, you know, two, three hits. And then they struggle to actually complete the game and to win that game because he's threw too many pitches. So they're very heavy into the numbers. Sometimes it's on their side. Sometimes it's not. And if I were Dave Roberts, I really wouldn't do that in the postseason too heavily. Go with who's bringing you to the dance. Go with who's bringing you the success. Well, and that is that why they pulled Scherzer. Scherzer, they pulled at four and a third innings, I think. And I and they, and the and announcers said, "Man, this is going to be a hot topic if it turns out to not work." And it did work, so uh, it didn't turn out to be a hot talk. It wasn't topic, a disastrous but, uh, game, but he had like uh, double the amount of pitches that he should have had. So, in, in no doubt, in my yeah. mind. Would I have pulled him? Maybe. But, I mean, he wasn't doing horribly, but Roberts does reach that certain number of pitch count in a certain amount of innings, and he almost every single time will pull the pitcher. Hmm. That's interesting. All right, so who, who, who scares you? I'm not, I know you can't Milwaukee. look past the Giants. but Milwaukee. I mean, I, I'm Milwaukee. not worried about not- San Francisco. Uh, what about like the Astros? Have you have you clued into the next? Uh, well, the speaking of yet? cheaters, no. the Astros uh, sign stealers <laughs> extraordinaire, uh, okay, and they have a reputation to rebuild. In my mind, um, no, uh, the Astros are a tough club, but so are we. Uh, the only honest speed bump that I see if we're going to get past anybody, it's going to be the Braves and the Brewers. Uh, Braves, Dodgers would be a great matchup, but I I'm pretty sure we can beat uh, Atlanta. I'm not so sure we can beat Milwaukee. Hmm. Wow. All right. Um, well, we're talking with Noah Dingley, the great producer of our program, and also uh, produces over at Andrew K. Show, does his own program uh, on The Answer San Diego also. Uh, Noah, let's uh, sw- switch over a little bit. Uh, it's been, been about a week or two since we talked about uh, the uh, politics and uh, the politics of the pandemic. What's happening out there? What are you hearing? I know your sons are working age in their 20s, and so you're, you got that perspective. You also got uh, some friends that have kids in schools. What, where are we in terms of the, the pandemic and what people are feeling? People are ticked. Uh, you're seeing a lot of these 
um, dictator-type mandates take effect, like Los Angeles County now, uh, pretty much across the board, all indoor activities outside of your home, you need to be vaccinated in order to participate. I think the only exemption, if I'm remembering correctly, is grocery stores. Um, but I think you also, at, at that point in Los Angeles, I think you still have to provide a, neg- a negative COVID test or some type of official exemption. So there's a lot of people I know in the LA area that are not happy with that. Like that's, you know, people need to be able to live their lives. You can't tell people, stop living your lives because you chose to not do something for your body that you felt was the best for you. It's absurd. Now, whether that goes through the rest of California, we shall see. San Diego tends to be more conservative. Hopefully, we don't have that here. Uh, Was reading today as well uh, with uh, Joe Biden doubling down on the vaccine mandate nationally with employers. The OSHA rules, we're still waiting for those to come down, but there's still a lot of pushback on that, Ed. People are not happy with that. And I think we're at the point now in the country where you're going to see Not many more people vaccinated. Some are because they're going to cave to the pressure, but a lot of people are going to stand their ground. They don't think this vaccine is good for them and they're not going to get it under any circumstances. It. Uh, what about schools? Uh, some of the some of the schools uh, have gotten particularly uh, tense, and uh, and and in terms of going back or mask requirements or whatever else. What are you hearing there? You know, the masks aren't so much a big deal, even though what you know, whether you're for them or not, because I have a lot of people that I know that are willing to go along with the mask thing out of respect. You know, you can put on and take off the mask at the appropriate time. It doesn't really, for the most part, I mean, you can argue with the uh, oxygenization levels in your body, um, which which is a a hot topic as well. But at the end of the day, um, you know, if you take the mask off, you're going to be fine. Uh, when it comes to the vaccine and mandating these um, these students to to go, it, it's absurd. I'm hearing a lot of pushback because they say my child's not going to get the virus. And even, even if he does, he's going to be asymptomatic and he's not going to spread it. And it's almost virtually impossible for him to die. And parents do not want, I'd say over half the people I talk to, parents do not want their kids to get vaccinated. And they're trying to figure out if they can homeschool their kids. You know, do they need to move? Because here in California, they don't want to do that. Newsom's overstepped his reach Mm -hmm. using his emergency powers again, which was on the line in the California recall, which went south. So it's a you know, if he thinks that this is going to across the board, get people to get vaccinated again, like Joe Biden forcing people. It's not the answer, Ed. Doesn't seem to be working. All right. Noah says, as usual, informative. I, I had to give him a chance. I had to, I had to respect. I had to give him a chance to gloat on his Dodgers. And I, I, I'll root for him. I'll root for him. Now I'm rooting for him because of Pujols. I just think it'd be great for Pujols. I, watching him bat, he was, he, he just looked like, you know, he looked just like an older player now again. He's been, player, I'll say real quickly, you Noah, know, we're wrapping up, Ed, but he has been probably the greatest pickup, I would say, this year for the Dodgers. Morale-wise, he has just been lights out. He really brings people together. He's got almost 20 home runs as a Dodger, and yeah, he might not be able to run, he makes up for it in so many ways, and I'm glad to have him part of the team. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I hate to say it. I think, I think if he loses, I, no, I think if he, whatever happens, I think he may retire because I don't think you can get to a place where you can have a year like Yadi's going to play all next year and retire, and, and every city's going to give him a, a rocking chair. I don't, I don't see who signs Pujols. Maybe a, 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 an American League team and lets him sort of ride the ride the thing, but DH, but I, it doesn't look like he's even up to that. All right, we got to run though. We're out of time. Uh, Noah Dingley, Noah says our great producer. Thank you, Noah. 
We'll take a break, everybody, and be right back. It's Ed, Ed, Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative perspective since 1983, continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Those of us who know our history know that today is Columbus Day. You may be surprised to learn that the left is trying to make Christopher Columbus disappear from our history books and from our memory. The left is trying to rename the second Monday in October Indigenous People Day. In many schools today, Columbus is described as a malicious destroyer of Indians. He is blamed for a smallpox epidemic and for bringing slavery to the Americas. Sometimes his arrival in the Western Hemisphere is even described as genocide. Some sanctimonious liberals even take offense when we say Christopher discovered America since thousands of people were already living here. All this is either total nonsense or extreme political correctness. The smallpox epidemic that killed so many Indians was tragic but unavoidable. They had no immunity to the disease, so the only way to avoid an epidemic would have been for the two civilizations never to meet. That was neither desirable nor possible. Columbus is not responsible for introducing slavery to America. Slavery was already alive and well among native groups. We all know that Columbus was not the first human to set foot in the Western Hemisphere, but opening it to the European continent was a really big deal and a huge turning point in history. The slander that is heaped on Columbus by the left wing is unhealthy for us as a nation. Columbus's voyage across the Atlantic Ocean is the point where our identity and history began. The expansion from Europe into the New World paved the way for democratic self-government. Columbus himself was an innovative, independent, forward-thinking, and enterprising risk-taker. Of course he knew the world was round, and he set out to prove it. That's the kind of character that built America, and the kind of character we cannot afford to forget. I think it's great that we honor Columbus with a national holiday. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Whether it's the vision of our founding fathers, the courage of our veterans, the moral compass of Christopher Columbus, or the fortitude of presidents like Lincoln and Reagan, the truth of history should not be undercut by liberal ideology. At Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, we honor history even as we look to the future. Join us at phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And uh, we have uh, some work to do here to finish up the, the uh, show and finish up the weekend. So um, have a great weekend, everybody. I hope you're doing that. Now, let's just talk. I didn't mention at the beginning of the program the, uh, the jobs numbers. The jobs numbers are in again and uh, not so good. Not so good. Now, there's a couple of things going on, though, I have to say. I don't quite understand yet. For one thing, unemployment dropped. Unemployment dropped, I think, from 5.2% down to 4.8%. Now, we didn't add many jobs, which means a bunch of people probably went and got jobs that were already existing. So there were jobs that were vacant. They took those jobs. So the key here, the key detail, which I think everybody agrees, is that the economy is still stalled. It is still stalled. It's not out of that, uh, out of the, the, um, 
woods of the terrific and terrible lockdown. And so we'll see what happens. But I have to think um, that some of those numbers are just off because of the uh, free money being given away. And also because I think some people still don't want to take jobs, I, whether they're living off the free money or living at home or transitioning. And um, over time, um, I think we're going to see more people get employed, which will be good, right? That's the goal. The goal is not we don't want unemployment. We want more people um, who are uh, um who are uh, employed and gainfully employed. One good set of numbers I saw in there was that young people, recent college grads, uh, were um, were uh, employed at a quicker rate. They were at a quicker pace. So that's probably a good sign. But you have to wonder, if you haven't looked, you have to look at the price of gasoline way up. Inflation still going up. If you go out to eat, and you haven't thought about it, and you have to, I mean, a lot of people don't go out to eat as much, um, but it is, the prices are up. And I've talked to some people that are in the restaurant business, the, the cost of things just like um, basic um, necessity, not necessities, but basic materials, flour and eggs and oil have gone up 20, 30, 40%. That gets passed on um, uh, to the um, to the consumer in all those ways. So we'll see what happens. All right. One last thing about this. The news was covered, even on the liberal station, CNN, MSNBC, it was covered as if it was sort of not great news economically. On Fox News, it was blaring that it was the end of the world in terms of the, the bad jobs numbers, which it was. But here's where the judgment of the, here's where, here's where that real rubber hits the road. If you haven't noticed, and I encourage you to go take a look, um, do a search uh, for this race, the Virginia governor's race is in five weeks, actually a little bit less than that, three and a half weeks, um, uh, it will be... Um, November 2nd. And the race has gotten really tight. And and I we'll see. I mean, I still wonder if uh, Virginia has gotten so blue because of so much um so much in northern Virginia has grown and you know, I think people most people think it's pretty blue state, but Glenn Youngkin, the outsider businessman, is having a heck of a time, a good time making the argument that um it's the wrong direction for the country in what's happening with uh Biden and therefore McAuliffe. And McAuliffe has Terry McAuliffe, who's been in you know Democrat politics for forty years, you know widely widely described in his opening sentence as one of Bill Clinton's um, best friends and big fundraisers. Um, that's what he did. He was kind of a bagman for the Clintons. Um, Self described, not me doing that. He is running for governor for a second term, and he has had to actually say out loud that he is um, distancing himself from Biden. He said in an, inter- in an interview, but in a fundraiser, he said, um, I think, you know, Joe Biden is um, a drag on this race. And he had to admit that. So a, a big test. Remember, I've told you before that in um, February of 2010, February of 2010, there was an election uh, of a state senator from Massachusetts to replace uh, the, the U.S. Senator Ted Kennedy. That election, nobody thought a Republican would win, and Scott Brown won. And so that was an extraordinary moment. That was about a year into the um, the Obama tenure. It was 2010, almost exactly, I think February 4th. Well, we're a little bit past, uh, we're a little bit less than that. We're talking about um, November. But Glenn Youngkin versus Terry McAuliffe uh, for a seat that is held by a Democrat, very similar. It's kind of a similar test. And I think... The signs are headed where um, people are going to be surprised and uh, and are going to be uh, in a position where they're going to pay a price for the drag on Biden. You know, even I think it was Jake Tapper 
did an interview. I uh, was doing an interview, and he said Quinnipiac poll had uh, Biden at 51% approval rating six months ago, and he's down to 38%. And he said something like, uh, Jake Tapper said, ouch. Um, so even Tapper knows um, and is admitting uh, how bad that uh, that can be. Uh, and if, certainly it's not going to change. The trend line is not going to change in the next um, few weeks. There's no way to expect that uh, to happen. So we'll see what, what the um, numbers look like. Uh, and, of course, the wild card of, in this is the election uh, integrity and what they've been able to do. All right, one last comment. I did get an email from one of our listeners, Joseph, I think in San Diego, yeah, in San Diego, asking about what my opinion was on the um, subpoenas, um, the four members of the Trump administration that were subpoenaed by the January 6th commission, and they simply ignored them. They didn't turn them over or respond. I haven't seen the details. I'd be surprised if they did not respond at all. I would think you would respond in some form, like say, I'm not going to respond. I don't know if they totally blew it off. It's been reported that way. And I totally, I agree with that. I think that select committee has shown itself to be sort of outside of the pale. So I wouldn't worry about that. But I, I suspect they actually sent a letter saying we're not going to cooperate or something because that would create a back and forth, which is better than just blowing them off. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. The chairman of that um, show trial committee says he's going to refer everything for uh, contempt of Congress or something. So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, listen, let me say thank you as always to Noah, Noah Dingley, our great producer, and uh, for another segment of Noah Says with him tonight, and also uh, Joanna for booking our guests. And we will be back uh, next week. And uh, feel free to go to proamericareport.com. Send me an email through that website and uh, be back in touch. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.